This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 368 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, and EcoVet. Tonight, we have renowned author and dressage trainer Leslie McDonald, and continuing with our Through the Level series, Sue Colstead is back to talk with us about Third Level. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey, Reese. Well, hey, Phil. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. We're on our own. It's a Tuesday. I know. A little early. It is a Tuesday. <laughs> I know. It's it's weird. Like, well, you have a horse show this week, so we had to go early. Yeah, and this is and a I was... very busy time for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this will <laughs> be my fifth horse show in five weeks or something like that <laughs> yes yeah and Crazy. you really get hit hard more than i do we we went to a horse show over the weekend and it went great um i took uh hello elon court he came out and did his fourth level freestyle and really good scores won both his classes and um kind of helped his average stay up which was nice but he needed to go to a horse show he hadn't been to a horse show since florida yeah, time for so. a refresher yeah, it was like, oh yeah, you are a horse show horse. This is part of your job, you know. Um, but uh, we and then my students did really well, and they learn they have learned some stuff on our through the levels series, which is great. Um, and it's nice for me, it is the coach to be, uh, you know, on on helping them on that. So that's been great. So uh, all's well. Um, just all's well. yeah. Yeah, just can't busy. Complain, right? Just no, busy, and, yeah. and you have a horse show. You had off last weekend, or you coached last weekend? No, I was coaching last weekend as well. I had, I think, eight, eight or nine riders go to a to a show last weekend. So I was busy. very familiar with the warm up ring, and uh, <laughs> actually we had a lot of fun. The weather was nice, and nice. Uh, you know it was it was good. On Saturday, Mayor and I actually took in a ball game and try. We have oh, other nice. lives to do, so. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was fun. The Blue Jays won, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah, but, well, uh, that's that's us this weekend. We're gonna do some fun things. Work Other than hard, play hard, right? Yeah, but it is true. Be nice to your trainers this time of year. Like this is when trainers do work really hard, um, getting everybody ready because everyone's getting ready, and usually trainers are getting ready too. And so, yeah, be nice, I, I find be nice. that the hardest thing now is just. Um, it's just finding, you know, my own time and space to be, you know, to be warming up horses at a horse show when you've got students there and, you know, everybody is in a little bit of a high stress, high energy mode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to bring in a psychologist or something. You know, how do we handle that, right? <laughs> well, because- I'll tell you how I handle it because I also have – that is really hard if you're a trainer. And, and some trainers handle it beautifully. I I know myself. I don't I don't particularly handle it great. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm lucky because a lot of times I have most of my showing done in Florida. Yeah. So I can really focus on that and really is focus on – Is that your on- tip? Because I don't want to hear it. Um, no, because okay. I, I, I took two horses of my own this, this weekend, uh, one yeah. for a client and then Elon Court. Uh, Marcus did great. It was his first show back in a year. So that was really cool. Uh, this is a horse we've been working hard to awesome get back yeah. for his awesome owner. So, uh, Miss Pam. So we've been working really hard. So what I do, Phil, personally, is an hour before my ride, um, I become slightly unavailable. 
So I'm around, but I really have to have my own time to sort of get what ready. You don't get that hour. I it is a requirement for me. I I have to do that. Like that's sort of if you go to a horse show with me, you got to know like the hour before. If so you're what what if you got a student that's showing, you know, forty five minutes before you? They are going to be big people and do it themselves. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, I mean, like that's how I do it. You know, uh, and and people know that going in. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, what if I can't be there at the horse show? Like you'll have to do it yourself. So we have it. Everybody kind of has to do their own thing. And and if I can yeah. be there, awesome. And I'm there. And uh, but if it's sort of in that, I mean, if it's like. 50 minutes or something. I mean, and I have help and whatever, and yeah, I'm dressed yeah. and, yeah. but you, you really do. I, I personally need a little time to grab a, you know, a drink and like, it was literally almost a hundred degrees on Saturday. So yeah, yeah, I had sure. to honestly cool down a bit and, and think about my test. And so that's what I do. Yeah, carve but, out your own time. Maybe yeah, I should, maybe I should have done that a little bit more. Yeah. Live and learn, Phil. Live and learn. Yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> Right? It's a journey. Yeah. Well, which which have, leads us into uh, – that's a good segue, right? Really good segue. I <laughs> love it. A very, very good segue to um, – we have a wonderful friend of mine and author, Leslie McDonald. She has a book launching tomorrow, actually Wednesday, on Amazon called Journeys with Horses. And I've had a sneak preview. I feel kind of like the, um, you know, an anchor on the Today Show because I got, I got the book early, um, <laughs> which is really fun. And, and I've been reading it. It's a lovely collection of stories about horses. And, and she'll talk about a little bit about her history and how she writes the book. And I hope you enjoy the interview because we really enjoyed it. And that will come up right after this break from commercial break from EcoVet. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your horse could enjoy a zone of repellency from pesky flies? Well, he can with EcoVet. EcoVet is an entirely new type of fly repellent that is safe for horses and those applying it, offering a real alternative to toxic pesticides like pyrethrins. EcoVet confuses an insect's normal directional ability, the bug's GPS, if you will. So if it can't locate your horse, it can't bite your horse. Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio Show has been using it in South Florida, also known as the Jurassic Park of biting insects, and she just loves it. EcoVet's active ingredients are naturally occurring food-grade fatty acids that have been clinically shown to improve the condition of horses with difficult-to-treat sweet itch problems. EcoVet is effective on mosquitoes, ticks, noceums, as well as flies. You can visit EcoVet online at eco-vet.com for more information or to order. You can find EcoVet at Dover Saddlery Stores and EcoVets on Facebook. Just search EcoVet, E-C-O-V-E-T. Well, tonight I am so happy to have my friend for many years, an FEAI rider and trainer and author, Leslie McDonald on the show. Leslie, welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you and Philip tonight. I know. And I was trying to remember when we met, and it's been many years, uh, and that we've been friends, and your husband, Doug, as well, have been wonderful friends of ours. And uh, and I've been watching and, and saw on Facebook, uh, I knew that you were an author, uh, but you have a new book coming out. So can you tell us a little bit about your other books and how you got into writing and how you have time being a writer and trainer yourself? <laughs> well, it's, it's challenging, but writing has always been my passion since I was a young girl. Um, when I was in college um, at DePaul University, I went, took a senior independent writing course. 
And I was fortunate that the woman, her name was Elizabeth Chrisman, and she had just come to DePaul, and she had been a professional uh, literary agent in New York City for many, many, many years. And when she reached her 50s, she decided she'd like to go back into the academic community and be a teacher. So I was very fortunate that I was her first independent study person, and I decided I wanted to try and write my first book. I'd been writing a lot of poetry up until then, but I decided to tackle a book, and it was a juvenile, and it was called Tic Tac, and it was about my experience as a young girl getting my very first horse named Tic Tac. And we worked for two semesters on this, and I was so blessed that she thought the book was good enough that she took it to Don Mead and Company to New York. And when I graduated from college, I actually had a contract with a major U.S. publisher for a hardcover book, and it was a real, real thrill. And uh, I had a lot of fun with that. But then just through the years of getting married and horses and moving from place to place with my husband, um, I just got out of writing. I did bits and pieces, but I just got out of the real true writing that I like to do. And it wasn't until um, back in 2006, um, I was trying to breed my mare that I had bought in Sweden, and she was a four-year-old, and we weren't having any luck with my vet. One of my students was a breeder from Columbus named Meredith Weller, also a vet. And uh, I said, my gosh, how do you get your mares pregnant? She said, well, this is what I do. This is my procedure. And it worked immediately. My mare got pregnant. I said, you are so smart. You should write a book. And she said to me, I can't write. And I said, well, I can. And you've got the information. So let's do this together. So we jointly wrote Making Magic. And Making Magic followed my journey with buying my mare, picking the stallion, all the things that novice breeders go through and, and need to learn about. And the first half of each chapter was the scientific or factual information. And the second half of each chapter journaled my journey with my mare. And we ended up getting a contract with Half Halt Press. And the book came out in hardcover in 2007. And after that, I thought, okay, I'm on a roll. I've got to start writing. <laughs> and um, so then I wrote a book called Down the Isle. And that was published in 2010. And Down the Isle is pretty much my um, autobiography, starting as a little child with horses and going up um, through my farm here in Cincinnati. And that was really a successful book. Uh, at the time, Euclid Nutrition up in Michigan picked it up as a theme for their current marketing campaign. And they designed their booth around it using the cover of the book and the graphics in the booth. And uh, we started a website that was called Down the Isle Stories that Euclid sponsored. And we encourage people to write short stories of their own journeys with horses down the aisle. And each month we picked a Euclid story of the month. And at the end of the year, we picked um, a Euclid story of the year from all the monthly winners. And we did that for a couple of years. And that was a lot of fun. And it was great to hear people share their stories with me. Um, but what was special to them? We had all kinds of children and adults and men and women send their stories. And it was very rewarding. And then after that, I wrote a book called Musings of a Horse Farm Corgi. And that was a story of my corgi named Beamer. And Beamer was a fluffy corgi. <laughs> and it's this, uh, and the fluffies are the, the longer-haired corgis. And their, their genes are a little bit off, so they don't get the guard hairs. And in the old days, the Welsh farmers would drown the fluffy corgis because they couldn't work in the fields because they had this soft coat. So that was, yeah, I know. But that was kind of the theme for the book. It's about, the, he, he heard when he was a little puppy, this is written from his perspective, but, oh, dear, he's a fluffy. I don't know if we're going to be able to sell him. And so he was very concerned. And when his human came around and found him, he quick went up to the pen and said, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. Because the fluffy gene didn't really show up until they were a little bit older. 
So he ended up going home to this horse farm, and the story is his goal to overcome the curse of the fluffy and become the corgi in charge of a working horse farm. <laughs> and it was a really special book, and my little corgi named Beamer, who is the name of the corgi in the book, it was so interesting. He's a very independent little guy, but every time I'd go back to my office to sit and write, he would come in and sit beside me. And when the book came out, the year we went around and did book signings, he went to me with every book signing, and he'd sit out in front of the table, and he'd shake his people's hands with his paw. And I tell you, I, I, I sold more books because of Beamer than anything else. But, uh, and he, he died about, oh, a year and a half after the book came out. But he stayed around long enough for me to be able to write the book and take him out on the road with me. So that, that was great fun. <laughs> so, and then, then the newest story. one is Journeys with Horses. So that's, yes. that's uh, launching tomorrow on Amazon. So tell us about this book. Actually, I've been reading it this week. We saw each other at the horse show, and, and I have a sneak copy of it, and it's a wonderful book. So tell us a little bit about it. But Journeys with Horses is a book that is written to help, help uh, hopefully get people to connect with the journeys that they've had with horses, whatever kind of a horse, whatever age you are, if you're an older person who came to horses, or you're a child who always had a dream, or a horse that's close to your heart. Um, this is a fictional work, but all the stories come from nuggets of things that I've collected from people over the years. I mean, I, I've been doing horses. I rode my first horse in 1958. So I've done this for a long time, and I've been a professional since 1966. So I've met a lot of people. I've had a lot of people come down my barn aisle. And so many of them have great stories and, and great dreams. And uh, so, like I say, I've taken people's nuggets, and I've fictionalized the nuggets. A couple of them are my nuggets. But um, a lot of people will recognize things about themselves in these different characters that are in the books. There's everything from World War II um, soldiers to jockeys to children to um, mothers who can't have any comprehension of why their child would want to be around a horse. <laughs> and uh, so there's, there's a lot of humor in it. Um, so, and a few poignant stories, too. So hopefully something to touch everybody. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. So tell us a little bit now, how can we get to get all of your books? How does that happen? Well, all of my books are on two places. Um, Amazon, they're all on Amazon. Uh, the only one that isn't is the very um, Making Magic, because um, that has gone out of print. But Tic Tac and Down the Aisle and Musings of a Horse Farm Corgi and, of course, Journeys with Horses are all on Amazon. You can also get them through my farm website, which is F. C Farm, F is in Frank, C is in Cat, farm.com. We have um, a special page on my website dedicated to the books. So if people wanted to get an autographed copy, all they have to do is buy it through FC Farm, and I'm happy to autograph it any way they like. And they get a little more personalized that way. That's, through a Amazon. Touch. That's, That's very really nice. cool. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, but, but uh, either place you can get it. And um, you know, we ship out just as quick here as we do through Amazon, but uh, I just hope people read the stories because the stories are just great fun to share, but really special people. They really are. They're really, they're very, very cool books and very special. And it's, it is because you know the struggles and the, the whole journey with horses. And that is what, what we do every day. It's not, uh, it's not a marathon. That's what I can't tell everyone. It's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. If you're in this for a sprint, right. you're, uh, you're in it for the wrong thing. So Leslie, right. thank you so much for coming on. And Journeys with Horses actually launches tomorrow, right? Uh, which is Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday. Launches Wednesday. Right. It launches tomorrow, first thing in the morning, and we're, we're very excited about it. Um, and, you know, one thing I also want to say about the book is this is not a book about 
little girls winning ribbons or champion horses. This is just really a book about the people who put their heart and their soul into their horses and into their dreams. Um, mm -hmm. So um, it's a little different spin on things, but I think that's the thing that people want to read about because you can always pick up the Chronicle or a magazine and see people with the glory of the ribbon and the trophy. But what got you there? What did you have to do to, to build that horse there? And yeah. uh, then be with him when his time in the ring is done. What do you do with the senior horse? How close are you to the senior horse? How do you sustain him? We have a wonderful story in there about a senior horse and the struggles that he has. But uh, yeah. good outcome. I love it. Well, it is very true. It is. It's. It, this is such a fun industry, but it really is. There's so much other than winning the ribbon. We all love to win the ribbons. Don't don't get me wrong, but it really right. is. You have to love love the horses, and it's just such a wonderful collection of stories. And but thank you so much for your time for coming on today, and we wish you luck with the book. And we can't. We want to have first access for the next one that you write. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm already formulating one in my head. So oh, thank really? you very much. That's great awesome. to talk with both of you. <laughs> Thank you and great luck. We can't wait to hear how well you do. Thanks, Reese. Bye-bye. Well, I hope everybody gets the book and really enjoys it and supports. We love to support authors and what they're doing. Um, I personally still love to have a book in my hands. I, I, I'm a reader and, and really enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy all of Leslie's books. Uh, but right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back um, with our total saddle fit tip of the week and our continuing series with Sue Colstead. Well, it's a hot one out there, and the heat wave has hit much of the United States and the rest of the world. Well, don't let dehydration and electrolyte imbalance sideline your horse. Summer Games electrolytes are formulated to replace both the electrolytes and the trace minerals that are lost when your horse sweats. Its concentrated formula allows you to easily feed the correct amount to meet your horse's changing needs. This uh, electrolyte was developed for the equine athletes at the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. We all know that it can get hot in Atlanta. For horses on the go, use Summer Games Electrolyte Plus Paste. Each dose contains a serving of Nalox equine and acid for double the protection against stress. And of course, you can find all of that at Kentucky Performance Products. They take out the confusion of choosing the right supplement. And you can find them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. <laughs> This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. For our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, uh, we're bringing in our third level segment this week. Uh, we've been busy doing all of these segments together, Phil and I, with judges. And I hope you enjoy uh, the, this segment on third level with uh, S. Judge Sue Colstad. Well, this evening, we are so happy to have Sue Colstead back. She is our total saddle fit tip of the week. Sue, welcome back. You are an S judge and an FEI rider and competitor, and you're doing our our segment to, through the levels with the judge, and we are on third level this week. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Well, second level last week, we were just chatting off air, and um, I had my students listen um, to the segment, and they did really well and gained some very useful points over the weekend. So I am super happy to have you back and, and have them listen to the third level segment. So can you start us off with the purpose of third level? I will happily start you off with the purpose. And before I do, I would like to tell everyone that the purpose 
of every level is in writing at the top of every test. And that is something that riders should look at. Not only should they read the directive ideas that go with each movement, but they should read the purpose and see if their horse is truly ready for the level or if there are a few things that they know they need to work on that are listed in the purpose. And so Sue, I'm going Sue, to start. Can, great. And you can find those. So that, those aren't in every test book, which is, is important to tell people. I think you can find those online, but you really have to look for that. But every test, test you get back from the judge yes, has the exactly. purpose on it. Yeah. Yep. Not the one, not the one, unfortunately, USDF and USEF don't, that's not the one they print in the book. That's just what, where you go. But there is the, the full length version is what Sue's talking about that you get back from the judge. Okay. Just, sorry the about that. The little book that the dressage test book does have the purpose at the beginning of every level. If they're okay. on a separate page. Perfect. And, but the yeah. test that you actually compete and the judge judges and the scribe writes on and the show gives back to you for you to read has the purpose written above awesome. the above the uh, the front page the page where your scores are also has the purpose every test has the purpose and i am actually looking at my third level test 3 that i competed in a couple weeks ago and i'm going to read the purpose off the top of that test Great. And the purpose of the third level is to confirm that the horse demonstrates correct basics. And having begun to develop an uphill balance at second level, now demonstrates increased engagement, especially in the extended gait. And I'm going to stop here and mention extended gaits are shown for the first time at third level. Transitions between collected, medium, and extended gates should be well-defined and performed with engagement. And so we will talk about the difference between medium and extended gates in this session. The horse should be reliably on the bit and show a greater degree of straightness, bending, suppleness, throughness, balance, and self-carriage than at second level. So those are all the words that I use when I judge. Needs to be more through, needs more uphill balance, needs more engagement, needs more self-carriage. Those are the comments that I make pretty consistently when we get to second and third level and even on up the levels. And Sue, if I could jump in with a question. What what are we talking about when you're talking about engagement? Because some of these words have a little bit of mystery to them and and I think if we're approaching third level, we're really talking about some more engagement. So maybe we can describe that in some other terms. I'll be happy to. <laughs> if you picture a horse bending his hind leg joints, if you have ever startled a horse that was standing still and scared it, and it jumped straight up in the air, it had to coil the spring before it jumped. Engagement is a coiling of the spring, bending of the hind leg joints. And when the hind leg joints bend and the hind leg lowers or the hind quarters of the horse lowers, that is when the front bend can come up. If you picture a teeter-totter, if you put the weight on one end, the other end comes up. Or 
um, if you're driving a four-wheeler and you step on the gas so hard that the, the back wheels um, stay on the ground and the front wheels come up, that's engagement. And so when the hind end can carry, the front end lightens. Lightness is not just softness in the mouth or lightness in the bridle. It is lightness of the whole front end because the weight has been transferred back to the hind end from engagement of the haunches. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I think that's I a great that. description. Yeah, great. Love it. So, and then that's what we call collection. Collection cannot happen without engagement. And another thing that riders need to understand in training their horses is that in order for a spring to spring, it must be coiled. And so if you compress a spring at both ends and then let it out at one end, like say an accordion, that is engaging the horse and riding a corner so that the horse can come out of the corner straight into a medium gait or an extended gait. But it cannot extend if it hasn't been compressed first. And that is the purpose of the corner. If you compress the horse into the corner, but then you must have a straight horse coming out of the corner. So when you compress the horse and you're going to go across the diagonal into either a medium or extended gait, you must make sure the horse is straight and not bent before you start the medium or extended gait. If the horse is bent in the neck coming out of the corner, that's when they usually break the canter instead of keeping the extended track. Yeah, good sense. point. We've so maybe all had this that is happen. a good, a good yeah. time to talk about the difference between medium and extended because it occurs at this level, right? That's right. At second level, we have medium gates, and now at third level, we add extended gates. And the extended gates have the transition scores, and I'm not looking at all three of the third level tests, but pretty much generally speaking, the first um, trot is a medium trot. And then the second one is an extended trot. And the first one does not have transition scores, and the second one does. So a medium trot, if you just picture it, a collected horse doing an extended trot in a medium, in a collected frame, that is kind of how you differentiate the visual between an extended trot and a medium trot or canter. If you maintain the collected frame that you push the horse to extend the gate more, then you're maintaining the balance and we want suspension, we want the shoulders to reach out more, but we don't lengthen the whole frame in a medium trot. When we go to the extended trot or canter, we expect the frame to lengthen more and maintain the balance which is more difficult. The horse has to be stronger in order to do that. Got it. And so how about some, what are the lateral components? What are some lateral work we need to be working on going toward third level? In third level, we introduce half test. In second level, test three, we have the shoulder in, the, the circle, and then the trave air. 
and try there is haunches in. However, half pass is the same thing, only it's on a different line. So if you take haunches in and you put it on a diagonal line, you've got half pass. Mm-hmm. So it's really um, a building block by having the trial at second level test three. And then in third level test one, it starts with down the rail. I think it's S to V, shoulder in left, and then I better grab my book and make sure. It, it's a, it's it a half circle. Memory. It's just half circle. Okay, and it's then, a half circle, and then 10 half meters. Pass, and then yeah, from the that, wall. you do a long half cast. Yeah. Now, the test before did the half cast back to the RSVP letter. <laughs> but now you start the half cast on the center line at L or I, and you half pass all the way back to the corner letter. So I like to teach my students to, when you come around with your half circle and you're on the center line, Put the horse in shoulder-in position first because that sets the horse up for the vent. Then have your horse look at the corner letter where you're going and then start going there. Make sure the shoulders are leading and then bring the haunches with you. And arrive at the corner maybe one stride before the letter so you can straighten the horse and ride a bend into the corner. Too many horses are arriving too early, and then even if it's a good half cast, the geometry isn't correct, so then they lose the score from not being accurate. Because at third level, we expect a higher level of accuracy, control and accuracy. What are some other common problems with that half pass line? The... The most common problem in half pass is either the haunches trail too much and they aren't bringing the haunches with them or the haunches lead. Both of those get a deduction. However, if the haunches are leading and they have the bend, they're at least fulfilling the criteria of the movement, although they aren't doing it correctly. So it's not as drastic of a deduction as if the haunches are trailing drastically or they have the wrong bend and it turns into a leg yoke. Right. Yeah, that's a big now one. For a, right. For a really good score in a half pass, once you get the horse in the position, your inside leg should start lifting that inside shoulder up and the outside leg should be pushing the outside hind through that inside shoulder so that you can produce more suspension or cadence. Cadence is the big word. We want the half pass to be fluid, but we also want it to start coming more uphill with more engagement and more crossing of the front leg so the shoulders start to lift and that's where you start getting into the scores of eight and above. Yeah, that makes sense. And Sue, mm-hmm. what is the other, there's another huge, uh, the flying change, right? That comes in at third level. What are some the common flying things? change is introduced at third level. And all of the tests 
have a flying tank? In grade level test one, it comes after a 10-meter circle, and it's on a diagonal line, and it just says near the center line. In third level test two, it comes after a half tap, where you turn down center line in the canter, you have tap to the middle letter, E or B, and then you're allowed to do the flying change between the letter E and B and RSVP. So you have a 12-meter length of time. And a lot of times when the horses learn this movement, they know the change is coming and they want to sneak that change in right away. Mm -hmm. And so the riders have to make sure they get to the rail and they get the shoulders past the letter E or B before they let that horse do that change. You know, once the horses start learning the movement, they either steal the change or they refuse to do it, or they're late behind. So there's a lot of problems that come with the flying changes. And when the horse does it straight with expression in uphill, I always give them an eight at third level or at any level, really. Yeah. (laughs) We want a straight, expressive, uphill change. So once you have a horse that understands the changes, if you can remember to release your new inside rein when you ask for that change, you stand a better chance of the horse jumping up through the inside rein and having a much higher score. If the change is flat with basically no air time, that's kind of my criteria for a six. Okay. If it's a little bit late behind or a little bit croup high, I can still be in the five area, but if it's really late behind or it breaks to trot, or if it kicks out, then it's definitely a four or below. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's great, just a great nice balance thoughts thing. on the flying that's change. That's kind of my yeah. standard. And uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about was a little bit, you know, um, extended canter or, or medium and extended canter. I mean, what are some tips for riding, you know, those two movements well? Because I, I see it, I see a lot of horses galloping down long sides and things like this in second and third level. So I was just wondering if you've got any, any insight to, to, you know, how common that problem is and, and, and how some strategies for it. Right. Well, speed is not impulsion. And so just galloping faster and flatter is not going to get you a higher score. If you as a rider have ever galloped a horse uphill, there's a feeling that you get galloping a horse uphill where the hind end really tucks under and the front end really comes up. That's what we want the horse to feel like in an extended canter or even a medium canter. So there you go. Compress your spring coming into the corner. And then you want to, for the first stride, when you add your leg, Open the front door with your hands a little bit so the horse reaches out to the bit, but only for that first stride. Then you maintain, you take that contact, you maintain it, and you ride them uphill. If the horse, if you can just, I'm like, I'm not telling you to lift the horse up with your hands, but your leg and your hand combined have to encourage that horse to come uphill every stride so that the shoulders, lift up 
and the hind legs come under, and there's a big air time. Big, that all four legs get off the ground for a big jump every stride. Then when you get to the corner, drive that hind end under and elevate that front end so that I see a difference in the frame and that it does not go down on the forehead. I think it's great. Well, always, yeah, yeah no, a change of frame and strides. I think that's the biggest thing is always show the difference because that you, you, when you really look at right. your test scores, those really add up quickly. They the do. Transitions. They do. Mm-hmm. I mean, your transition score is just as important of a score as your shoulder in or your half pass or your flying change. It, it, it's weighted the same unless your flying change has the coefficient on it, unless your half pass has the coefficient, which some of them do and not all of them. But yeah. your transition score is just, it's equal to your extension score. Yeah. So it's really worth, worth, worth working on it and paying attention yes. to it. Well, Sue, thank you so much for your time tonight coming on and doing this wonderful segment with us. How will our listeners find you online if they have any more questions? Well, they can, they can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook um, training uh, page and I'll be glad to meet new people that way. <laughs> Fantastic, Sue. Thanks so much. And thank you so much. I hope this helps and I look forward to hearing positive things in the future. You got it. <laughs> well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Please send them in. We uh, will always work on. We I haven't get... got a lot of love lately. I know. I, I don't there's know no love. Doing. Everyone's busy. Everyone's yeah, busy, busy showing. We'll put it down to that, hey? <laughs> we get a lot of love in the winter. We get a lot of love in the winter, but uh, send us some love. Let us know how your horse show is going or if you have a shout out to a certain trainer or friend or something for helping you at the horse show, that would be fantastic. Maybe questions about horse show. I mean, we've got all these judges coming on, you know, that we'll make good use of them if, if you have a question. Love it. Love it. Well, Phil, have a great horse show and uh, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is on Facebook, Philip Parks, or you can email me at philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other awesome shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 